John Larroquette. Wilson. Investigator. Hello. Hello. Well, enough of this small talk. What do you want? Bronson Pinchot. Psychic. She's not pregnant. They're the second sight detective agency. Straight ahead, babe. I can't go straight ahead, babe. There's a building right there. Where the vibrations are good. And the future looks great. I can live with that. Second sight. I see a comedy in your future. Rated PG. Starts Friday, November 3rd. You like the juice? Like the juice? I gather you very much like this juice. I love this juice. <laughs> I didn't hate this at all, by the way. I just, I, I'm a little conflicted because it's the, I think it's the perfect Saturday Night Jive juice, but I don't know that that necessarily makes it a good movie. <laughs> I don't know if Second Sight is a good movie or if Second Sight is just leaps and bounds better than Tremors 3, Bogus, and Trojan War. Yeah, we've been having a, a string of bad ones. In fact, I texted you like when I was 20 minutes into this movie last night. Like, I think we're back on track. Maybe just for this movie. I don't know. I I was going to suggest, uh, by the way, did you ever see a movie called Vibes with Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper? No, but I've heard of that. I thought that might be a similar, well, for lack of a better term, vibe to this movie. Like 80s psychics on a weird, wacky adventure. Is I was Peter gonna... Falk in that? Possibly, I don't even know. I think I know what movie you speak of. Um, but before we get into movies we didn't watch, welcome to Saturday Night Jive, the podcast where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. Uh, this week, uh, this is a cheat pick. We, there are no SNL cast members in okay. Second Sight. We're living in the cheat pick era. You don't have to call it out anymore. It's just we're watching movies that don't have SNL people in them. You just have to live with that, George. Well, both John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot hosted SNL, both in the same season, season 12. John Larroquette hosted and Bronson Pinchot hosted. John Larroquette was great. Bronson Pinchot, not so great. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that Bronson Pinchot would be would be that good. But John Larroquette, I guess. I, well, this is, I guess, well, we'll get into it because like both of them were known for like TV shows. I guess it was Perfect Strangers on yet. Perfect Strangers was on. Perfect Strangers is referenced in this movie. Did you miss that? Oh, that's right. He, he's watching it at one point. I forgot. They're flipping channels and you hear Marklin Baker going, Balky, Balky. Well, we'll get to that because that's that's the fart of the movie. <laughs> I think, right? That was that scene. Was there a fart in that scene? I missed the fart. Where he's moving his legs around. <laughs> there was a fart? Did you... Did the fucking Mr. Skin of Farts miss the fart? I watched this movie. I watched that scene. I don't remember a fart, but... Because I... Uh, I thought I imagined it, and I actually went back, and I'm almost certain it was a fart. That Basically, when he's moving his legs around, at one point, he's got, like, both of his legs, and he's got his face... John Larroquette has his face right in Bronson Pinchot's ass, and you hear a fart, and he kind of rears back. Like, it's literally, like, as we like to say, a diegetic fart. I, yeah, I can't believe you missed it. I Well, we will find out live on air if Mr. Skids will make an appearance, because uh, I'm watching the movie in the background. As soon as that scene comes on, I will <laughs> turn up the volume and we will find out if there was a fart. Well, now you're making me question. Now it's like a Mandela effect fart. I'm like, I, I'm almost certain there was a fart in that scene. It could have been a phantom fart. But did we mention we watched the movie Second Sight from 1989? And this movie, right in my wheelhouse of... Uh, shitty 80s comedies with a weird high concept uh i really enjoyed this movie it's not good i wouldn't recommend it 
but I had fun watching it. As a weird 80s slash early 90s artifact of like, they don't make movies like this anymore. It's like I said, it's the perfect Saturday Night Drive movie as far as I'm concerned. The thing I liked the least about it was the the high concept. It was like the psychic powers and shit, which is weird because that's like so much of the movie. But it's more just the relationship between these three kind of wacky sitcom characters in a movie that shouldn't exist. And like every once in a while, he'll like blast fucking shitty fake lightning out of his fingers. Yeah, you you mentioned both of the stars of this movie were TV famous. I would argue this should be a TV show. Like It feels like a pilot. It should be the pilot for the Second Sight sitcom. Especially, just getting right into it. The opening of this movie? Mwah! Yum, 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 yum. Give me more openings like that. We start with Bronson Pinchot. He's levitating out of a manhole. And he's just floating through a manhole. And then you hear off screen John Larroquette and Stuart Pankin going like, what's he doing? What's he doing? Oh, well, he's channeling energy. We can't. And then John Larroquette just pops up as if he was standing on an apple box in the sewer. Preston, what the hell is taking so long? Is he getting anything? I've told you before, Wills, these things can't be rushed. Rushed? I am standing in a sewer in mortal fear that somebody in the neighborhood's going to flush. Bobby, you get anything? No. Wills! How can I make you understand how counterproductive it is to disturb him? He's been slowing way the hell down. What is wrong with him? Nothing's wrong. He's just not a machine you turn on and off. He's a finely tuned human instrument. Great. Now I got a psychic oboe in my hands. Yeah, because that's like most of the movie is just Bronson Pinchot does a weird thing. John Larroquette asks Stuart Pankin, what, what's his weird thing he's doing? Oh, this is this weird thing he's doing. And that's it. That's the joke for the entire fucking movie. And for some reason it works. And that was my favorite part of the movie. It's like a running gag where Bronson Pinchot, we'll talk about his character later, but Bronson Pinchot basically has godlike powers in this film. He can do whatever he wants at any given circumstance, and it's all explained away every time he does something new that you've never seen him do before. Stuart Pankin is like, okay, what you're seeing is this random scientific word I'm going to give the what Bronson Pinchot's doing, and it's very rare. We've never seen it before, and he takes a picture. So every time Bronson Pinchot does something crazy, there's Stuart Pankin going, ooh, this is this thing. That, yeah, we he can do now, uh, I guess, because he needs to do it for the plot to fucking work. Well, it reminded me of, did you ever see that uh, Luke Besson movie with uh, Scarlett Johansson, Lucy? Uh, when it came out, I don't remember anything about it. Well, I don't remember much about it, but I, the thing I remember not liking about it was, like, every scene she got, like, a different superpower. And it was just, like, whatever it needed for the movie. But it didn't work in that because, like, th- you were expected to like take it somewhat seriously as like a I guess superhero sci-fi movie or whatever whereas this it's supposed to be dumb so the fact that literally every time he needs to do something it's something else that's I think that's part of the joke I feel like the movie's kind of in on the fact that that's really dumb yeah I think where Lucy went wrong is when Luke Besson fired Stuart Pankin uh, at the read-through because originally Lucy was supposed to have a Stuart Pankin well that was the Morgan Freeman character originally it was Stuart Pankin He's like, oh, what you're seeing Lucy do now is uh, she's uh, telekinetic. He 
he takes over a fucking plane and then he stops a bullet. Bronson Pinchot is magic. He's God in this film. And they just kind of just you you don't need any more explanation on it because the movie is just has strikes the right tone of what the fuck are you talking about? You need explanation for Bronson Pinchot's psychic abilities? It's a second sight. It stars John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot. Do you really want that? No, you don't. We'll just have Stuart Pan can go. Oh yeah, no, he can. Uh, he can control planes now. And that's because there's a weird, like, unnecessary escalation too. Where at first, and through, I would say most of the movie until the third act, he's like he's got all these weird powers, but. Like, he's also kind of vulnerable, and he has very little control over them. He's almost being, like, sort of led around by the, these powers like a leash. And and he's, you know, he's not necessarily... Like, he can talk to the dead people and do that. But, like, there's a point where, like, he blows up a building. And it doesn't... I don't think it even had anything that... Like, it wasn't even the right building. It was just like, ah, I went into this building and it exploded. And then after that, yeah, he's, like, guiding the plane. He's dodging bullets like a fucking Matrix thing. And then he's stopping the bullet with his mind. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's just like, yeah, he's fucking Neo from the Matrix. And he can do whatever the... And he's, like, doing these massive, amazing things like a superhero. He vaporizes an entire office building in the middle of this movie. And then they're just like, oh, let's just drive the fuck away. <laughs> Whereas before that, it's like he wore a suit and like he, he could barely stand up. Well, because his powers are muted when he's wearing uh, non-natural fabrics or uh, doll colors. You don't have to explain this to me, George. It, ma- it all makes perfect sense. <laughs> I'm just it all saying fit that's together cohesively. And then so when he takes off the suit in church and runs around the, uh, the church in his boxer shorts, he's got his powers back. Yeah, now I, this this movie was the exact right amount of crazy for me. This is exactly what I want out of a Saturday Night Drive movie. It didn't disappoint. Uh, it had... I mean, I, I was calling it blackface. It's technically not blackface, but it's... Black voice. Black... Well, I mean, is that enough? I mean, it's not blackface, it's black vocal cords. Was it? Did we talk about Loquisha? Loquisha? There's a movie that I desperately want to see called Loquisha, which is about a, a, a white guy who's a radio host who poses as a black woman. And I've it, heard of this. And it was okay. made in like, I think like 2018 or something. Yeah, like yeah, very yeah. Like way, way more recently than it should have, given the premise, which is why I want to see it. And I think it's on the list. I think it's on my I Blame, I Blame You list. Uh, there was a movie I randomly watched. It either came out in 2020 or 2021 because it was during the pandemic. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And it's called like On the Other Foot, where it's a, a white British guy who uh, I can't remember now, but there's some kind of gypsy curse and everyone sees him as a black guy. Oh, so he's still playing him. So he's not playing it in blackface. It's just everybody no. treats him yeah. racist, I guess. Yeah, when they cut to, like, shots of him, it's a black guy playing him. But, like, the black guy will have the British guy's voice, and he's like, What are you blokes talking about? That's fucking weird. But I guess yeah. I, that's one of those things where it's like, it's British, so I just, I don't know, I give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they don't understand racism in the same way we do. Yeah, it was very, um, <laughs> not the movie to watch during the Black Lives Matter movement. I was like, well, this strikes the wrong tone. But yeah, there's a scene right in the middle of fucking Second Sight where he gets possessed by the spirit of a guy who just happens to be a jive-talking black guy. Yo, man, it's out of my face! Hey, baby. 
Yo, bro, don't honk at me. I'll tear your face. Spread your brains all over the place. He's out of body. Don't crowd me now. He's become one of the men who hit your car. We've got to get him grounded. What are you looking at? Jesus. No offense. <laughs> Yo, mama. Look fine. Oh, Bob. Don't cry me now. Bobby, why don't you get back in the car? I can take that shit and stick it. No, that's right. Come Just on, get mama. back in the car. Keep right. you out of the front seat. <laughs> don't let you hide the wheel. Over. No, yeah, the real man. Yeah, there's so much crazy shit in this movie. Uh, Second Sight, 1989. Basic plot synopsis. The Second Sight Detective Agency consists of John Larroquette, who we learn mid-movie was at one point a, a police officer or a detective, but he was fired from the force. And he is partnered with Bronson Pinchot. Well, I guess actually he's partnered with Stuart Pinkin. I don't know. We never get into their backstory. Like well, neither of them met. are co- like former cops or anything. He's a psychic and Stuart Pinkin is, a, I guess, a parapsychologist or something. He's a guy studying uh, Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, but we never get any backstory on how they met, how they formed this detective agency. Not that I needed it, but, you know, like one scene of dialogue of like, hey, this is how we all met. Like, that would have been nice to throw in there. Um, but you don't really need it. Bronson Pinchot is a psychic. He His powers are controlled or guided or aided by a dead guy named Murray. And so Bronson Pinchot will repeatedly be doing a Murray voice where he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about over here? And it is exactly that bad. Just <laughs> like if you think that was George's bad impression of an otherwise uh, legitimate bit, no. That is almost like... To a T, Bronson Pinchot's Murray voice. Hey, you guys, what are you doing over here? I'm Murray. <laughs> and that's actually the, I think that's when I texted you, the scene in the uh, in the, the Chinese restaurant where uh, Murray discovers that, well, I guess not discovers, he, he reveals that the nun was his ex-girlfriend. And there's like a scene where like, they cut away because I think Stuart Pankin runs out to get the the chocolates because that's what cures him. Goobers are the only thing that can stop a a psychic meltdown. And then you cut back to it was him and he's like holding her by the foot and she's like (laughs) flying and like John Larroquette's on the other side like trying to keep her up and he's just going like yeah and that's where I was like I think this is going to be a good thing. Oh yeah no I knew I started watching this movie uh, like either Wednesday or Thursday uh, and I got 15 minutes into it. I was watching it at work and I was like, oh, I'll start it in the background. I was like 15 minutes into it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I have to save this until I can actually watch it. Like there's too much shit going on that I need to pay attention to. Again, opening scene. <laughs> Bronson Pinchot floats out of a manhole. John Larroquette just pops out of the manhole. And then Stuart Pankin pops out of the manhole. Manholes can't fit three human-sized heads, right? No, I mean... I've never seen a manhole that three dudes can just pop out of. Well, I feel like the three claymation uh, Marx Brothers from uh, Brain Donors all popped out of the same manhole say, at one point. The only time I've seen a manhole that big is in claymation at the beginning of a Marx Brothers parody. But yeah, I just... I And then it's a good setup. I mean, they, they, you have like kind of like a... You know, just a, not a murder mystery, but a, a a heist mystery where the you know the thief is in the room, and but then it does it's weird because like it turns out it's one of the guys that's there, I guess, but then he's hidden the thing that he stole in another statue, which is like, did he even really steal it? 
Well, he hit it. <laughs> Did he? I mean, I guess you could just say, like, maybe it was misplaced. I don't know. If I steal your wallet and put it under the couch cushions, it's kind of stealing. I don't know, but it's a good demonstration of, of what I liked most about this movie. As much as, like, the, the psychic hijinks were arbitrary and kind of weird, I like that it's just, like, it's not, like, played ambiguously. It's not like, oh, maybe he's a charlatan or maybe he's crazy. It's like, no, he literally, like, shoots fucking laser beams out of his face. Yeah, and I, they're billed as the Second Sight Detective Agency, so this must be, like, in their uh, Yellow Pages ad, you know? hire the second sight detective agency we got a psychic who can shoot lightning out of his fingers i don't know why they don't have more cases well because it's like it, it, it's the kind of psychic powers that are so evident that like they're basically provable because like at one point they t- talked to like an fbi and she's like i don't believe in any of this psychic guff and it's like okay uh hey uh bronson mincho shoot him with lightning that'll teach him <laughs> he's like all right i guess you're on the level Continue, boys. But, uh, yeah, they solve a case at the beginning. Right away, it's like he's he's channeling Murray. This is all in, like, fucking the first five minutes of the movie. The thing I loved about this movie, it's an hour and 24 minutes, and it just fucking floats by. It moves so quick because they're not explaining everything. They just uh, Psychic powers. You hired the psychic detective agency, Cardinal Richelieu. All right, well, we're on the case. And everybody's just like, oh, okay, yeah, no, there's a psychic. Like, nobody fucking bats an eye at it. They're like, oh, this guy just shot lightning out of his fingers. That's a thing I've seen before, I believe. By the way, I just like that your one go-to reference for a cardinal is the villain from The Three Musketeers. Yeah, that's the only cardinal I could think of off the top of my head. I mean, I can't think of it. I was thinking Cardinal Ratzinger, the pope that just died. <laughs> but uh, uh, The St. Louis Cardinals. I guess. Uh, and that... He was the villain, right? Didn't wasn't he plotting ultimately to get the pope, the the, the soon to be pope? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember if they paid that off or if that was just a, a red herring. I thought at one point they intimated that he was organizing the criminals to kidnap him so that he wouldn't become pope. There's got to be something like that because there's a scene where John Larroquette questions uh, the the cardinal who would become pope or something. The the big mystery is the cardinal gets kidnapped mid movie. If they pay it off, they pay it off, like, in a line that I missed at the end. Because basically this movie ends with Bronson Pinchot stopping a bullet, and then everybody's fucking... No, what it ends with is, like, a fucking, like, uh, voiceover where Murray has all of a sudden been narrating the whole movie, even though he wasn't up until that point. And he's just like, let's do some more Murray shtick as we, I think, go to heaven. He's going to heaven. He's meeting ladies in heaven. I, I don't think he's telling that to us. I think he's saying goodbye to John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot from from the beyond. No, I, I got that. Or does that mean that Balky loses his powers at the end then? I think so, yeah. Murray leaves. I, I don't think... Uh, is the implication no. that Murray is the like the source of the powers rather than just like a channel of them? They don't explain anything in this movie. Who the hell knows? I thought you were well invested in the lore of Second Sight. I am from everything. I know John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot are buddies. I know they get laid at the end. But where do Bronson Pinchot's powers come from? What can he do? What are the limitations of his powers? No, I know none of this. And it bothered me that like so much of this movie centered around the church hiring a psychic 
You'd think that, like, the nuns would be like, that's the devil's work. We're not hiring you to help find our car and then our cardinal. Well, I was confused by the nuns to begin because the the main nun who hires them, this is a big coincidence, uh, she turns out to be Murray's ex-wife, and Murray blames her for his death because his wife was bitching to go get ice cream. And so then when Murray went out to get ice cream, he was hit by a truck and died. So he blames his wife for making him go get ice cream on the night that he was murdered. Or not murdered, but killed. Well, he yeah, he basically calls her the murderer, even though she just sent him out for ice cream. Yes, but she's a nun. So I guess after Murray's death, she went into sisterhood. And then the other girl who's with her, is she a nun or like a nun in training? I think she's a nun who hasn't taken her vows yet. Okay, because uh, at the end of the movie, Bronson Pinchot's like, hey, will you fuck me? And she's like, yes. That's because that's part of the the weird thing of why it's nuns and and, pa- and cardinals and shit. Because at the end of the movie, both of these nuns are fucking these guys. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> Which is the end of an 80s movie. Like, yeah, it makes sense that, that, you know, they both got love interests. That's just how they did it and how they still do it often. But they, they pick the two characters that are the least likely to be love interests. Fucking nuns. Yeah, they give up that nun shit real quick. <laughs> they drop that like a bad habit. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to yes and that. Uh <laughs> But yeah, that just it just kind of bothered me that like cuz it's arbitrary. It could be it could have been anything. It's not important. By the end of the movie, you're not giving a shit about the like the I guess papal like theocratic, you know, goings on behind the scenes or any of that shit. So like why make it why make it nuns and priests? It doesn't No, I, don't... I yeah, I don't I don't know why they even have like the uh the intrigue there either or to begin with, the cardinal gets kidnapped. John Larroquette's like, so, uh, if that cardinal doesn't become pope, who will become pope? And he's like following the breadcrumbs. But then at the end of the movie, they just arrest the guys who kidnapped the cardinal, who are just three goons. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they don't really... Cause yeah, so yeah, if they did pay off that and say that guy orchestrated the whole thing, like there's not a scene where like they frog march him or anything. No, because there's lines peppered in where they're like, oh, yeah, no, uh, these three goons couldn't have kidnapped a cardinal. Like, they wouldn't have done that. Somebody had to have been paying them off. So they're trying to follow the money. But then, yeah, if they paid off who the main bad guy is in this movie, it was, maybe it was on, like, a news broadcast in the background that I wasn't paying attention to. Because I was like, well, the movie's over. Yeah, but I mean, it's... But it's like discussing the plot of Second Sight. It doesn't really matter. It's sort of like discussing the plot of Tremors 3. You're here for the... Well, in Tremors 3, you're here for the ass blasters. And in this, you're here for wacky Bronson Pinchot shtick, of which we get uh, quite a bit. Yes. Um, I assume that's all of your notes. It's just wacky Bronson Pinchot shtick. Kinda, yeah. I'm going through my notes now, and I'm like, all right, well, uh, Bronson Pinchot... Uh, Stuart Pankin's wife is using Bronson Pinchot to bet on games. Oh, was she... Ma- they married? That Was that that... Ca- I, I, I couldn't really understand who that character was. I thought it was Stuart Pankin's wife. Well, I thought she was a nurse that was taking care of Bronson Pinchot. I didn't necessarily know that that she and Stuart Pankin no, were related. No, I think I think she was married to Stuart Pankin. I don't think she was taking care of Bronson Pinchot. I think Bronson Pinchot just lives with Stuart Pankin. Again, we get no backstory on anybody's relationship. 
But you don't really need it. I mean, her purpose in the story is to demonstrate like an unscrupulous person who's taking advantage of him to get like lottery numbers and shit. Which, yeah. you know, and that doesn't go anywhere. There's, I mean, there's the one scene where Mandy Patinkin, Mandy Patinkin, I knew it would happen eventually, Stuart Pankin. They are two totally different people. I know, but I mix them up all the time. But uh, when Stuart Pankin like sort of confronts her about it and they hug and then that's the end of that thread. It doesn't come back. I was waiting for that to be a thing where they needed a bunch of money and then she had a bunch of money from that. Yeah, no, it's, it's just kind of a, I guess it's there to point out that Stuart Pankin would never use Bronson Pinchot's psychic powers for personal gain, as John Larroquette wants to do. Um, but again, a little bit of backstory would have been helpful, because, so John Larroquette, how, 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 did, how did any of this start? I need a little bit of a prologue, maybe just a flashback. John Larroquette goes into business with Stuart Pankin. Stuart P- Pankin's like, oh, I've been, I found this psychic guy that I run random tests on. Maybe he can help you in your detective agency? Because Bronson Pinchot's not the detective, right? Well, no, but, well, I mean, I feel like you could have resolved it in one line that would even make for a better backstory if, like, you know, there was a murder, like a high-profile murder case and Bronson Pinchot offered to help because of his psychic powers and that's how they struck up a friendship but as a result of that that's what got John Larroquette fired because you know you can't bring in a psychic to solve a murder you know something like that I don't know uh, no like I said while watching the movie I didn't need it because their relationship is you know it's played for mostly laughs and it's fun for what it is um, actually it was very fun I liked I really liked this movie <laughs> but um, but yeah now to make sense of the movie you kind of need that. It can't just be, oh, John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot are detectives. One of them is a psychic. And there's a uh, psychiatrist who's helping Bronson Pinchot with his psychic abilities. Is he on the payroll? I don't know. Which came first, the psychic or the the psychiatrist helping the psychic? It, it makes no sense when you break it down. Yeah, and I mean, there's, again, little stuff they could do, like like... Maybe have uh, Stuart Pankin, like he's writing a book or something. So like he's doing, he's helping out pro bono as, as in exchange for, you know, and then that could be like his ending. Like you could have like an, almost like an Animal House thing. Like, and he went on to write this fucking book, you know, rather than Murray flying into heaven, <laughs> relating his experiences. All right. Well, we'll have to put this on hold because, uh, I, again, as I said, I am watching Second Sight in the background. So you're at the scene in question. Okay, kids, it has now been confirmed. I knew it. Sharpie-eared listeners heard a fart, but Mr. Skids didn't. But at 26 minutes and 54 seconds... Bronson Pinchot cuts a fart right in John Larroquette's face. Oh, man. And you know what? I, I, I wasn't sure at first. I literally had to rewind it myself because I was like, was that a fart or was that like just fabric shifting? And that's, I mean, that's the job we have to do on this podcast. It's the important work that our fans demand. Yeah, that was a smart Foley ed- uh, editor because uh, that the scene is... <laughs> John Larroquette wants to watch a baseball game on the TV, but it's 1989, and I guess they blocked the the channel or the feed from coming in. But he moves Bronson Pinchot's leg out of the way. Bronson Pinchot's sleeping on the couch, 
and the channel changes. So now Bronson Pinchot can act as kind of a, a satellite antenna. So John Larroquette is moving his legs around. At one point, he has his Bronson Pinchot's ass in his face. And then when Stuart Pankin moves him, there's a fart. But there's also sound effects of the channel changing, like channel static, and the couch cushions moving around. So the fart, for me, on first viewing, got lost on all that. But as I was really focused on it, he definitely farts in John Larroquette's face. And I'm right that it, he farts in John Larroquette's face. John Larroquette reacts as if he has just been farted in the face. It's not just a, you know, a, a post, a, you know, fart in post. I, he gives like a... Hmm. I mean, John Larroquette is a very subtle comedic actor. He doesn't go like, ooh, a stinky fart, but he does give a face of like, oh, I did not like that. <laughs> but he could also have just been reacting to like, I got this, I got Bronson Pinchot's taint in my face. That's true. Bronson Pinchot's asshole is right up against John Larroquette's nose in that scene. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this was a real fart or the kind of fart that at least I uh, very much don't appreciate. Well, we have, uh, we have played the clip, so we will leave it up to you, the listener. <laughs> I mean, if there's any reason to watch Second Sight, it's to determine the veracity of this fart. See, I was I was waiting for like, yeah, and this is the weird thing because they introduced the element of him like talking in his sleep and providing like you know racetrack numbers or whatever or whatever. He knows the lottery numbers for tomorrow. Yeah, what I was waiting for because we've had so many movies that hinge on like betting at the track, like fucking hot the trot. Fucking uh, a fine mess. Wise uh, guys. Wise guys. A billion for a, Boris. A billion for Boris. And it's it's a trope that I'm not a fan of necessarily. But I was kind of waiting for that or something like that in this, where either like he was kidnapped and sort of Rain Man style. They tried to take it. Somebody tried to take advantage of him, or maybe it's like a pure luck scenario where like they need to find somebody else who also has psychic powers, like something that like tied it together. And like nothing, it, it's just like a series of kind of loosely connected events. And that was working for me. See, but that's that's where I'm kind of, you know, vacillating because the the individual events I mostly liked, I had fun with, but I'm I'm all about cohesive narratives, and when I don't get one, I consider that you know a, a bad thing. So like I, I don't know, I'm kind of coming away from this movie like you know I I want to like it more than I do, but it's just it's. There's just no, I don't know, it just, it, it, it wasn't forceful enough in its, in its storytelling. No, well, and that's what keeps it from being a good movie. I mean, if you uh, actually told a story with, you know, character development and plot beats, then that would be a good movie. But this movie, I think, wisely is like, it's it's John Larroquette and Bronson Pinchot and Psychic Powers. But it's like contrast. You bought your ticket. That's what you're gonna get. Contrast this with something like Dead Heat, which accomplishes all of its its sort of genre conventions, which it, it wears on its sleeve. It's it, it's satisfying in every dimension. It's it's great as a detective story. I mean, at least or at least it works. It functions as well as a detective story. It functions as a comedy. It functions as an action movie, as a horror movie. All these things. It's it's sort of operating on all cylinders. Whereas this. It doesn't really work as a detective story, but it clearly tries to be. It sort of works as a comedy, but not as well as I would like. Uh, the, at most, it works as like a fantasy movie, because it's just all you need is like the magic powers and shit. But I don't know. It just I, I feel like I wanted more. Uh, no, nah, I, I got just enough. This is exactly the movie I needed. Uh, 
My next note is uh, Bronson Pinchot, right before Freeway of Love starts blaring and he goes on a high-speed car chase. Uh, they're tracking down the hoodlums who stole the car. Fucking Bronson Pinchot picks up on something and he's like, he's channeling, he's channeling one of the hoodlums. Now, there's three hoodlums. Two of them are white guys. But Bronson Pinchot channels the black guy. And yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, fucking Soul Man, uh, what was the, what was the reverse Soul Man we watched? Uh, oh fuck, what was that movie called? I, True Identity. True Identity. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I guess they didn't know any better, but they probably should have. I mean, jive talking black guy voice was acceptable in 1989, I think. I mean, acceptable is a, probably the wrong word. Well, because it doesn't do anything to transform it. When you think of jive, I'm thinking of like the joke in Airplane, where like I speak jive, but that's a joke on sort of the differences between white people and black people in a way that justifies, you know, doing that. Whereas this, I don't think it was justified. Well, no, and especially because when we do finally meet up with the hoodlums and meet the black guy, he sounds nothing like that. <laughs> You know, it didn't... He does not talk like Superfly. I just like that it's like the psychic equivalent of Steve Carell and Foxcatcher just like making up a persona. <laughs> oh no, I'm channeling him, I'm channeling him. I No, I think you're just being racist. No, 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 no. This black guy that I'm channeling sounds exactly like this. I mean, a darker movie would have had that as the, the premise where like... He just keeps getting more and more racist and, like, less and less like the actual person he's referencing. (laughs) They go into a synagogue and he's like, oh, I'm channeling him now. It's like, no, 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 you're just being (laughs) anti-Semitic. Chill the fuck out, Murray. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I just feel like I don't have much to say because it's all just wacky Bronson Pinchot shtick. Yeah, uh, well, then when he meets up with the hoodlums, Bronson Pinchot's powers in this movie... Again, just unchecked, he can do anything. They get to the hoodlums, the hoodlums pull their guns out, and Bronson Pinchot can suddenly do like a Simon Says move with them. He raises his arms, the hoodlums raise their arms, he walks over, the hoodlums walk, also walk, and then he starts banging his head, and he makes the hoodlums start banging their heads on the wall. He can control people's free will now. Yeah, and for one scene, and then never again. Yeah, and then he never does that again. There's many moments where it would come in handy. Well, like, uh, you don't have to stop a bullet if you can just make people dance at your whim. Right, right. Just make that guy put the gun down before he shoots the bullet. And you didn't need to blow up that building anyway, because it accomplished literally nothing. <laughs> That's nothing. Uh, what, what else happens? Uh, he gets naked in church, because, yeah, I, I, that is one of my notes when he vanquishes the building. Um, let's see, what uh Oh! Do you remember the FBI agent who had the unibrow? Yes. I loved that guy. I want him to play the FBI agent in every movie. I just loved his voice and his attitude where he's like, what are you guys supposed to be doing here? You know, I genuinely thought you were going to like pull out a fucking f- weird fake surprise and be like, and then that guy was on SNL in season fucking four- <laughs> 14. No, I may have missed the farts, but I, I would have caught it if Tim Kazarinski showed up in this movie in the background. Well, I don't remember what made me put it on my list, other than I've always been kind of interested in it. I didn't, I didn't think of like, oh, I wanted to see it for Bronson Pinchot or for whoever. Uh, well, I watched this movie for Bronson Pinchot in the 
late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I remember specifically getting this movie, uh, renting the VHS at the at the video store because I was such a huge Perfect Strangers fan. And I, I remembered bits and pieces of this movie, but I remember not liking it. And I don't know why I didn't like it as a kid. I, I feel like it would have been crazy enough for me to enjoy. Yeah, I feel like I would have liked this movie as a kid if I'd seen it. I don't remember ever seeing it. No, I definitely saw it because uh, the one thing I remembered was the pee-pee dance when uh, fucking Principal Strickland plays the police ch- chief. And at one point, Bronson Pinchot is doing a pee-pee dance and they're like, the bathroom's over there. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's channeling uh, the chief and the chief has to pee. And we never see the chief again. Yeah, that's another one where, like, you'd think it would have come back to haunt them or something. Because there's that whole thread of why John the the Arquette's character actually was fired. And it's because the chief was fucking his wife and so, like, put him on, like, a really dangerous beat to try to get him murdered. And then that comes up nothing. No, nothing comes of nothing. And then there's, uh, right after the pee-pee dance, John Larroquette, like, pretends he's psychic. Because... Check off swordfish. They go into the chief's office and he has this giant swordfish. And they're like, what's that giant swordfish? Oh, that's the chief's pride and joy. Uh, if anything happened to that swordfish, oh, the chief would blow a gasket. And then, like, immediately John Larroquette's like, oh, I, I have psychic powers. Uh, there's something in the fish. You know something, Nuggie? No, what? Let me see if I can get anything from this note. What do you mean? Well, you know, Bobby didn't have the gift until he was struck by lightning. I hurt my back recently. Lead us. Come on, Will. Put that down. Fish. Will, it's fun. It's fun. Will, lead us. Fish. Tell us. Fish. Fish didn't know shit. He grabs the fish and throws it out the window, and he's like, I was just fucking with you. I don't have psychic powers. So it, like, pays off immediately. But then we never see the fucking chief again. We never see the chief, like, walk into his office and go, where's my swordfish? Well, and we don't really, I don't think we see the FBI guy either. It's like they set up these antagonists as like, we're going to stop these would-be psychics from conning people. Like, they're like, sort of like the, well, they're set up as like the Walter Peck from Ghostbusters, and then they're just not. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, like that movie, The Snowman, where they're like, oh yeah, we forgot to film like all the shit that makes this movie make sense. I feel like something like that happened on this movie, but like it makes the movie better. Did you see The Snowman, by the way? No. Oh, that that is a fascinating film to watch. Nate and I actually saw that in the theater, and it was just, like, gobsmackingly... Not even... I mean, yes, it is bad, but, like, how confusing a movie could be and still have a theatrical release. Like, it's it's kind of insane. I love how, like, they released that movie in theaters, and then they're like, oh, by the way, <laughs> this is why this movie sucks, just so everyone knows. The movie's still in theaters, bro. Well, they didn't even admit that. The director admitted that because he was like, I don't, I don't want to be blamed for this piece of shit. Right. Um, but the, Joel Zwick, the director of Second Sight, you should take full credit for not putting in the shit that would make this movie make sense, but also slow down this movie. Well, I think we established, uh, didn't he end up go on to direct Fat Albert? 
Joel Zwick? Oh, I thought... Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Edward Zwick. I, I don't know either Zwick. I'm fairly Edward certain... Edward Zwick is the director of Glory and, like, uh, The Last Samurai. So I was thinking of a completely different guy. No, I believe this Zwick directed Fat Albert. Uh, Joel Zwick, director of... Oh, yes, we said this uh, last week. Director of My Big Fat Greek Wedding and Fat Albert. Which, I mean, I've never seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, did not enjoy Fat Albert. Uh, all classic movies, if you ask me. Well, I mean, we're not going to watch Big Fat Greek Wedding for the podcast, are we? Uh, Andrew Martin's in it, if that counts. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I guess it counted for Bogus, so it might as well count for this as well. <laughs> uh, I think Brian Doyle Murray is in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, because I know my, or what, what's that called? My Big Fat, no, my, is it My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2? Uh, is it My Big Fat Greek Anniversary, maybe? Maybe. There's, that has to have a cleverer title than just slap a two at the end. Um, but somebody's Why? in that. Why cause... are you like, oh, <laughs> the sequel of my Big Fat Greek Wedding must have been more clever than I'm thinking it was. <laughs> I'm just giving Nia Vardalos a little bit of credit. My Big Fat Greek Honeymoon. My Big Fat Greek uh, Briss. My Big Fat Greek Vagina. <laughs> uh, what else happens in this? Uh, oh, no, and then I took the note of, we already talked about it, but Stuart Pankin just every fucking time. Oh, this is a thing, and it's very rare. This is what Bogus needed. Bogus needed a guy who was, like, maybe on the, like, the secretary of the Imaginary Friend Council, where every time Gerard Depardieu did something, or the nothing he does in that movie, just somebody to go, oh, yeah, uh, Bogus can do this because of this. Bye! Yeah, no, that would that would work, or just... Well, because that's the other thing with Bogus, it is very much kept ambiguous, even to the end, whether Bogus is real or anybody else can see Bogus, even when it seems like they can, they maybe they can't. What that movie needed was this this movie's approach to the mysticism, where it's just like, no, imaginary friends are real. There's a fucking supernatural community of them helping people, you know, like, like just be out front with it like this movie is with the psychic powers. Yeah, I was because I was wondering like all the ba- we uh, the backstory we were missing in Bogus bothered me because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. We know nothing about any of the characters in this movie, but for some reason I'm like, huh, eh, works. A plus. Oh, I wanted to look it up. Uh, the director of um, uh, Pure Luck, which we watched for the podcast, right? Yeah. He wrote something. I was just, I guess I'm jumping ahead already to to the, the rolling, but I just, I got to look this up here because there was something that I really wanted to watch that I think he just wrote, but didn't actually direct. Let me pull that up here. Keep talking about fucking Second Sight. <laughs> well, before we talk about next week's movie, whatever that might be, I got some more notes for Second Sight. My next note is, uh, did he just vaporize a fucking building? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand what that was about. <laughs> No idea. They just pull up to a building and he, he gets this weird psychic flash. He runs into the building. John Larroquette's like, ah, I hate it when he does this. And then he goes into the building. From the car, John Larroquette and Stuart Pankin are like, shit, duck and cover. Something big's gonna happen. We just see like a cloud of smoke. We never see the building again. I believe it either exploded or vaporized because he comes out with soot all over him and he's just like, oh, the bad guys, they weren't even in there. And then they just leave. A building was demolished or at least vanished from thin air. 
You'd think that would have some consequences. Yeah, nobody ever mentions it again. Like, they go back to the cops, and the cops never mention the fact that, like, he fucking 9-11'd a building. Yeah, well, and then in, like, a couple scenes later, I can't remember why. I think he gets wrong psychic information, so they get on a plane. But meanwhile, John Larroquette is, like, in the alleyway. Like, he's about to stumble on the goon's hideout. And Bronson Pinchot takes over the whole plane... The pilots are like, what's going on? You hear, like, the air traffic controllers going, um, the, the plane's just, like, fucking driving down a highway now, I guess, and going through a tunnel. No, uh, fucking collateral damage, no recourse. Fucking the, the police chief doesn't come out and go, oh, by the way, you can't hijack a commercial airliner. And it's one of those things, too, where, like, a lot of this stuff isn't, like, it's interesting, but it's not funny. Like that sequence. Oh, isn't I thought f- it was. Well, it really, I mean, what what about that sequence was funny? Oh, uh, which one? The plane. Yeah. Oh, I just I don't know if it was funny, but I liked uh, the plane just driving down the highway. I thought that was fun, and I liked how they were going through the tunnel, and then the wings shot off. I just uh, you know thought it was a fun little set piece. I wasn't laughing at it though. I guess I just I again I found a lot of the shtick to be tiresome rather than actually funny. How this movie's an hour and twenty four minutes? <laughs> not enough. Not enough Murray. I'm gonna say no, no. When when did you need a nap? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just maybe maybe I'm just tired. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about when they go into the strip club and Bronson Pinchot gets a psychosexual overload? What the hell is happening to him? He's having a psychosexual overload. Very understandable. Because, yeah, he's doing like a weird, like, sort of squawk thing. And that's the one moment where it's like, maybe he could die because he can't, he, I guess he can't handle boobies? I don't know what the implication is there. He, it's a, according to Stuart Pankin, it's a psychosexual overload by being in the strip club. His psychic powers don't work. So that's when the nun needs to do some taekwondo on the hoodlums because she knows taekwondo now. I mean, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and again, never used again. It just for one scene. Now the nun has fucking ninja powers. Uh, and then he stops a bullet from shooting John Larroquette. They arrest the bad guys. Uh, Murray leaves. And uh, everybody's fucking everybody now. That's the end of the movie. Bronson Pinchot gets to fuck the, uh, the nun in training. John Larroquette's fucking the ex-nun. And Murray goes to heaven. Oh, what a day. What a day. Yeah, but it's nice. He's got a girl. He's got a girl. He's got a girl. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How you doing, ladies? Nice halos. Nice. Hey, 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 hey. Watch where you're flapping those wings. Thumbs up. Solid viewing experience. Second sight. I legit liked it. But that's where I like, legit liked it. I ironically enjoyed it. As a so bad it's good movie... Even then, though, I don't know if I would call it so bad it's good, but so weird it's good. It was, it was an anomaly that I was fascinated with, like pretty much throughout, like from beginning to end. I was like, "Where's this gonna go? Why is anybody doing it? Who's it for?" Like none of those questions were answered by the end of the film, <laughs> but I was still satisfied nonetheless. Yeah, and there were parts of this movie that were bad, but like I almost appreciated, like the musical score of this film is just like. 
bum ba dum ba dum womp womp like even during the action scenes they're just going like womp ba dum ba dum womp and there's so much ADR in this movie like every time you see an exterior of a car you hear John Larroquette going okay so here's where we just were and here's where we're going and again I think that's just because either it, it was probably poor script writing and then they fixed it in editing but I think they're just they're ditching all the shit that makes a movie make sense, and they're just like, hey, fuck it. We already got your money. Let's just have some fun. This felt like the entire movie was that. Like, they had an idea for a script, and then, like, on the day, they were like, hey, where's that uh, second sight script? Like, oh, shit. Uh, brought some bitch vamps. Like, that's... <laughs> that feels like that's the entire movie. So, and then they just had yeah. to find figure it out, you know, later in post. Uh, yeah, but I, I thought... Every set piece they went to was interesting. Every time he developed a new psychic power, I was like, all right, I'm on board with that as well. Um, now I Second Sight is the best movie we have watched for this podcast in a good six episodes. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's definitely solid. It's definitely enjoyable. Do I recommend it, though? I don't think I do. I say I would only recommend it if you have just watched Bogus and Tremors 3 and Trojan War. Yeah, it was definitely fun enough to wash the taste of all three of those movies out of my mouth. Yeah, this was a nice palate cleanser. Uh, Alright, so uh, now that we've had that palate cleanser, uh, what piece of shit do you want to watch next week? Well, I mentioned Vibes, possibly the uh, the Jeff Goldblum, uh, Cindy Lauper fantasy comedy of a similar vein. Uh, but I was also looking up uh, the director of... Uh, uh, or sorry, the, the the writer of Pure Luck is the director of Three Fugitives, which we watched. And he also did the movie Partners. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, is that where John Hurt's a gay guy with Ryan O'Neal? Yeah, but they're cops. And one of them is yeah. straight and one of them is gay. I've always been kind of curious to watch it. Um, that sounds pretty terrible. Uh, well, let me spin my wheel and see what pops up here. Matt Foley. Do you want to watch every Matt Foley SNL sketch? How many are there? There's probably only like three or four, right? Uh, I think there's five. Honestly, I wouldn't mind doing Matt Foley. I mean, I think it would be a, a breezy episode. I could do Matt Foley sketches. Um, the first one's a classic, and then there's like two good ones, and then there's two like filler ones, and then he comes back and hosts. Um, I spun my wheel again and got Man of the House starring Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Ooh. So those are my two options. I think both of those I would I would um, willingly watch. I would also throw partners on the list as well. Well, I got uh, Lloyd. Lloyd. Uh, this is a movie I actually brought up to you at some point. Remember the ugly kid from Jack? Oh, is that Bug Hall and Tom Arnold? No, that's The Kid and I, which would be kind of interesting to watch. Lloyd, remember the ugly kid from Jack? Isn't that Bug Hall? Oh, no, no, Bug Hall was from Little Rascals. Uh, Okay, no, I know who you're talking about. Uh, It's like, what if they gave him his own coming-of-age movie? And it looks like the worst thing ever. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like uh, Harold, which we watched for this podcast and did not enjoy watching or talking about. And then the next movie I got was Mom, Can I Keep Her? Where uh, the middle child from Malcolm in the... No, I guess the... I guess he isn't the middle child. There's, you know, I just noticed... I realized there's four kids in Malcolm in the Middle. So there can't yeah. be a middle child. But the older kid uh, adopts a gorilla. 
and lives with him. Um, nah. Okay, look up the poster for Mom, Can I Keep Her before you say no. Uh, that is... Reese. <laughs> a guy in a monkey suit. <laughs> He's got a banana on his shoulder. And that is a man in a very bad monkey suit. Um, Like, that can't be the movie, right? The movie can't be Reese from Malcolm in the Middle and a guy in a monkey suit. I'm fairly certain that's exactly what it is. And for the record, I also got Man of the House, but it's a different Man of the House. It's the Tommy Lee Jones cheerleader one from 2005. Okay, that's not a real gorilla, is it? Sorry, I'm watching the trailer for Mom. No, it's not a real gorilla. I mean, I'm not even watching the trailer. I I don't remember, but I'm 100% certain it's not a real gorilla. I don't know. The trailer... Okay, sometimes he looks like a fake gorilla. Sometimes he looks like a real gorilla. Nah, it's probably a fake gorilla the entire time. (sighs) Shit, that's... (laughs) That looks... That looks fun. (laughs) I mean, I can also keep rolling. Well, what do we got so far? We got Matt Foley, Man of the House, Partners, uh, Reese and a Monkey. And <laughs> is that it? Uh, Lloyd and the other Man of the House. Uh, the, oh, with Tommy Lee Jones and the cheerleaders. Yes. Um, I think my my picks would be Chevy Chase, Man of the House, Partners, or Matt Foley. Oh, so we're we're dropping Mom. Can I keep her? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe some other time. Well, between those three, I think let's drop partners. I think it's it's either Man of the House or or Matt Foley. All right. Well, I'll leave it up to you, Matt Foley or uh, Man of the House. You know, as much as I feel guilty, I just think Man of the House would be more fun than uh, all the Matt Foley sketches. I think so too. Because, yeah, like, I mean, the first one's a first Matt Foley is a classic, and then the rest of them are just kind of the same, just in different locations. So I think it would just be a conversation of, oh, wasn't it, was it funny when Chris Farley did this? Yeah, that was funny. Whereas, like, Man of the House, it's like, it's the kind of the beginning of, like, Chevy Chase is kind of sad now. Like, you know, maybe he's on a downswing, but maybe it's just a hiccup until the next Lampoon movie. Uh, you know. I think that was the I think that was the tail end of Chevy Chase being in movies. Was that before or after Vegas Vacation? It was before because Vegas Vacation was his last movie, but I think only by like a year. Okay, because yeah, I just I don't know. I feel like that, I just I there's some pathos and some tragedy to to Man of the House. Oh yeah, I imagine Chevy Chase is not going to want to look like uh, he wants to be in that movie. I guess there's also tragedy to to Matt Foley considering he's fucking dead. Uh, yeah. No, I'm down for Chevy Chase's Man of the House next next week. Yeah, I, I, no, I think I think that's it. I think that's what we go with. All right. Uh, for some reason, I had the John Larroquette SNL episode on the wheel. I think I think I just remember liking that one. John Larroquette, good SNL host. Uh, hosted twice. I remember liking both of his episodes. Um, I just but... I just noticed. I'm not pitching it for for this week or anything, but. I have Dragon Ball Evolution on my list. Uh, you've already brought that up, and I've already said no. Oh, <laughs> I've just always been curious to watch it. I have not been. All right. 
So next week, so it shall be said, so it shall be done, we will be watching Chevy Chase, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Man of the House. Yeah. I mean, maybe the streak is over at one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> will Second Sight still be the best movie I've seen in a long time? Possibly, probably. Ugh, all right. It's I and like I gotta watch the whale this week for my other podcast, and I keep putting it off because like usually I like to eat when I watch movies, and I can't eat when I watch the whale. <laughs> I uh, I went and saw that in the theater um, by myself. My my wife had homework to do, so I was like, oh, I'll get out of the house, go see a movie. I went and saw the whale, and uh, I didn't really think about that until I showed up with my um, the. <laughs> The two bags of candy I had stuffed in my coat, and I got a large popcorn, and I'm sitting down with my big bucket of popcorn and Jelly Bellies and Jolly Ranchers, and I'm like, oh, no, no. It's just that, and I'm also going to watch the fucking M. Night Shyamalan movie where they have to fucking, like, the gay couple has to think about killing their family or whatever. It's like, it's going to be a depressing fucking week, and then the end of that week is going to be fucking Man of the House with Chevy Chase <laughs> and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, no, I would recommend The Whale and Knock at the Cabin Door. I liked uh, I liked both of those films. Will I be recommending Man of the House come next week? Well, that's a question for future George and Ben. And until we see you for that, get, get up, up the